in situations where you have challenges with propagation and it just doesn't make economic sense to densify with Wi-Fi access points, it's where cellular really becomes a game changer. Welcome to GXC's Monday Meshup, a podcast that gives you an inside look at GXC, our private cellular network platform, GXC Onyx, and the latest industry news to enable a world where enterprises can trust wireless connectivity to be simple. Hello and welcome to GXE's Monday Meshup Podcast. I'm Alan Poetha, CEO of GXE, and today we're honored to have with us Will Townsend from More Insights. So, Will, welcome to the show. Hey, Alan. Thanks for having me. Well, I, you know, especially when I say we're honored to have you, we really mean it because you are rated one of the top five analysts on the earth. So I know in our past conversations, it's been a joy to speak together with someone with such deep industry understanding, which leads us to the question of the tech space is such a big place. We've all been around it for a while. What initially attracted you to this space and how did you end up at More Insights? Well, you know, Alan, that's a great question. How did I get in the tech industry? You know, I just sort of happened into it. So I went to the University of Texas at Austin. I'm I'm an Austin grad where you're located and headquartered. And when I graduated, I did a lot of retail. And there was this little company called PCs Limited. And they had this crazy idea selling computers over the telephone. This is before the internet. So I'm going to date my age a little bit there. And I took a leap of faith. A year later, the company changed its name to Dell Computer Corporation. And the rest is history. So started my career at Dell, moved through several different roles. I ended up doing an MBA just down the road in San Marcos at Southwest Texas State University was what it was called at the time. So I've spent about 30 years in corporate America. I found my way down to Houston, worked for Compact Computer for a while, then spent some time in the channel in sales and marketing roles. And then eventually decided to kind of go do my own thing. So I consulted for a few years. And then it's been about seven years. I reconnected with Patrick Moorhead. He's the founder of our firm, More Insights and Strategy. He and I had worked at Compaq, not together, but in different parts of the organization. And he said, hey, Will, you know, I think you'd be a great fit here. You know, you love technology and he'd love to give you your opinion. So as analysts, that's what we do. We weigh in with our opinion. And it's really, you know, Alan, it's a dream job for me. I get to work with some of the largest, most preeminent technology companies in the world. And I focus on networking and security. Wow. Well, it may be an opinion, but it's a very informed opinion. Given your University of Texas background, of course, is near and dear to the heart of all GXCers and that we're a UT spin out and probably about half our team got various levels of degrees there, including a big collection of PhDs in our company. And of course, most importantly, UT's ranked number three as of today uh, for the National Football College rankings. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we become a football podcast, which wouldn't be a completely bad thing, let's talk about More Insights a bit more, because More Insights has certainly been around for a while, very respected in the industry. They are, yeah. But everyone tends to have a little bit different slice of the world in terms of the, what they cover and how they view it. How would you describe More's coverage and sort of your take on your approach to the, analyzing the market? So it's a great question. And I think where more insights and strategy is unique is from the perspective of having actual industry experience. So, you know, I mentioned my 30 years in corporate America. That is what Patrick Moorhead um, focuses on as he's recruited various analysts to the firm. On average, the typical analyst with the firm has 25 to 30 years of experience. And wow. 
we lean into that to provide a lot of advisory work for our clients. And it really, I believe it makes us credible and differentiated because, and, you know, not to knock other analyst firms, I have a lot of respect. You know, we're a very small cadre and uh, we see each other at events and that sort of thing. And I have lots of respect from others that have been journalists and that sort of thing. But that's what kind of makes us a little bit different because we, we understand the challenges that businesses face because we've actually walked the walk. That's a great point. And, and in terms of coverage areas, so it, it's great to have analysts that have actually worked in the industry because that's actually more rare than you would think, believe it or not, especially for that level of experience. So it gives you not only the practical real life experience, it gives you the practical real life context to find out what's really going on behind the scenes because there's the quarterly results and then there's what's going on in the background. In terms of coverage areas, though, certainly we know you cover the private mobile network space, but what other adjacencies do you guys look at? Well, I'm fairly broad in my coverage of connectivity, which sort of makes me unique in that, you know, I'm covering both enterprise and service provider. I was just at Mobile World Congress Las Vegas, spent a lot of time with T-Mobile, but I advise some of the largest operators in the world. And when you look at sort of enterprise networking as well, I spent a lot of time there. I'm talking with companies like Cisco and Aruba and Juniper. And what's really interesting about that, you know, you mentioned private networking. That's really sort of benefited me because as we've seen this sort of convergence and we're beginning to see cellular be considered not just for redundancy, but as a primary mode of connectivity, both within IT carpeted and kind of OT non-carpeted environments. It sort of gives me a unique perspective on things. And with the convergence of security and networking as well, it made sense for me to focus on that. And so I, I began managing that practice within our firm about three years ago. But just more broadly speaking, we have half a dozen analysts that cover anything from semiconductor broadly. Our founder does that very, very well, former AMD executive. I have a colleague, Anshul Sag, that covers end devices, mixed reality. We have a quantum person on staff, IoT. And so we have compute and storage coverage with Matt Kimball. So as a firm, you know, we're covering all of the swim lanes, as like we like to call it, within the technology sector. Those are all a bit related to each other in some way, but it's still a pretty big coverage area, although it's funny how semis have finally become exciting again after so many years with all the special purpose processors being built. But on the private mobile side, of course, that's what GXC is in. And as someone who's been in the space, you know, one of the things that we constantly are stressing with people that this technology may have come from the telco world originally, but you just mentioned all the enterprise networking companies that you work with. And we really see this as the third network for enterprises. And it's not that Wi-Fi is bad because it's incredible. It's just been stretched so far. In some places, it's sort of reached its limits. And that brings us to the question of, you know, what are you seeing out there? Because, you know, I was at the original FCC launch event for CBRS almost four, about four years ago now, September. Yeah. And they had lovely uh, snacks and everything. But, <laughs> you know, it's taken a while for the industry to get going, but it really feels like it's picking up steam. But what are you seeing as the big trends out there in private mobile? And are you surprised we're sitting here four years after the initial launch where we are right now? You know, from my perspective, it's it's a journey, right? And so the first step was democratizing access to license spectrum. And you mentioned CBRS. OnGo manages both the general access and the PAL licensing there. And the first step was getting license spectrum in the hands of municipalities, governments, educational institutions, enterprises, healthcare organizations. So that occurred and that was step one and that was critical. You know, you mentioned Wi-Fi. Hey, you know, Wi-Fi, cellular is not going to kill Wi-Fi within the enterprise. I, 
I like to say 5G and Wi-Fi are better together. But certainly there are certain applications and workloads that are going to take advantage of cellular. I mentioned operational technology environments. So in situations where you have challenges with propagation and it just doesn't make economic sense to densify with Wi-Fi access points, it's where cellular really becomes, from my perspective, a game changer. I am a little surprised on where we're at as far as adoption. And I think one of the reasons why we've probably seen not the hockey stick like a lot of people expected, but sort of a slower ramp into private wireless is that there are just so many different paths to get there. Obviously, your company, you're offering a total solution in a box, which I think is ideal because you're simplifying the deployment. And that's one of the biggest challenges for enterprises because cellular is new. Right. You know, you've got license spectrum, you've got core network infrastructure, you have radio access network infrastructure. There's a lot of disaggregation going on with like open RAN and that sort of thing. So it becomes very, very complicated. And with the different routes to market as a service or on-prem or cloud leverage, I think enterprises have had to pause and determine Number one, what's the right path? And number two, when does it make the most sense to deploy a private cellular network over, let's say, a Wi-Fi network? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because you know, I meet with some very senior technology executives and you know, multi-billion dollar companies and they're getting it. But I think 2023 to me was the year of a lot of education. And I, we're certainly not at the hockey stick yet, but we're incredibly busy because especially as you said, Wi-Fi is great. I think I'd entitled one of my LinkedIn posts is Wi-Fi and private networks are like the peanut butter and chocolate of connectivity. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you think about it, it's, it's really not an either or completely agree. But I think, you know, we tend to think of it as carpeted and uncarpeted areas of the world where carpeted is more for Wi-Fi. But even when you split out sort of the indoor-outdoor, like for industrial segments, what we've been seeing lately, because I think the Ongo Alliance metric of for every one cellular access point, you need 10 Wi-Fi access points once you get outside, because Wi-Fi tends to just propagate really badly, and then you need backhaul for every one of those Wi-Fi hotspots. What we're seeing is that some of the outside use cases have a higher pain level, and so sometimes those get going first. And then they say, well, why wouldn't we do it inside too if we're doing all this? Because then you have seamless roaming inside and out. So it's funny how that's a trend we didn't anticipate probably six months ago, but we're seeing more and more consistently now because the gap, even though private sailor is better for those big industrial spaces inside, the pain tends to be higher outside. Yeah. So from an industry standpoint, though, what do you see in terms of the, the take-up? Because my, my personal prediction with friends of mine, my friendly bet, is that I think uh, before the end of 2024, we're going to feel the full hockey stick curve of private cellular, for LTE especially. But what industry segments are you seeing go a little faster? You know, now I'll agree with you. I think what's going to kind of get us to that hockey stick next year really is being driven at the macro level from the public networks and the mobile network operators. We've had this tweener, you know, non-standalone to standalone with 5G, right? There's a lot of deployment for cellular around LTE, but looking at that, what we're beginning to see is, you know, more and more mobile network operators are finally moving to standalone. And for your listeners, that's just marrying you know, 5G core infrastructure with 5G radio access network infrastructure. And so I think that's sort of going to drive the real promise of 5G in particular. And I think that will bleed over into private. Now, certainly, you know, there's a lot of LTE deployments going on with private than the enterprise. And then with the 5G deployments, obviously, they're able to, to do full standalone. And, but I think that there, there's sort of this perception because I think the hype cycle around 5G, people got out in front of it too soon and people's expectations were let down. So I think it's just going to take time. And again, like I'll go back to the analogy. This is a journey. It's not a light switch. I remember 
speaking with a Wall Street Journal journalist a year ago. And, and that's what I said. I said, this is not a light switch. This is a journey. And it, you know, when you look at the duration of an average G, it's, it's about a decade, right? And so we're, I liken it to a baseball game. I'm an Astros fan as well. You know, we're, we're kind of approaching the middle part of the game here and we may go to extra innings. So it's going to take us time to get there. But to answer your other question around use cases, you know, what I'm seeing really that's going to be super impactful will be around manufacturing automation. And given what's happening with the reshoring of a lot of manufacturing from overseas, given the geopolitical environment that we live in today, as well as the investments that the United States is making in semiconductor fabrication. In Austin, as you probably know, Samsung has a huge footprint. They're building a new fab just outside of Austin and Taylor. I think it's a 17 to $19 billion investment there. And these semiconductor fabs, I mean, they're a prime use case for manufacturing automation and cellular connectivity can do that. There's lower latency, there's more predictable throughput, there's QoS that you can steer there and the device support, right? I mean, it's proven that cellular can support a massive number of devices without needing the densification for mid-band spectrum that CBRS provides versus Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know it was one of the big attractions. It's, it's always a challenge when you've seen 5G on your phones for many years, really for what, four or five years now. So it did sort of change expectations, but but I would agree it's funny, you know, even before, I think in the last couple of days, Intel, who's one of our investors, made an announcement about a $50 billion foundry investment in Ohio. And before that, I've been told the announcements lately about foundries were up to like 265 million in the US. And then you just throw in everything else going on in the world. And I think we're at the very beginning of probably the biggest boom in manufacturing in the US since World War II. And so that's pretty much what we're seeing too, Will, is a mix of a lot of industrial interests, especially with industrial campuses inside and out. And frankly, the whole agriculture and food space. So much of it's outside. People don't realize they're one of the most targeted industries in the world for hackers. You have domestic hackers who want to embarrass them. You have international bad actors who just want to mess up our food supply. And so those two are especially moving fast from what we see, but there's many others as well. It's funny we talk about the speed. I try to remind people sometimes that the beautiful actress from many years ago, Hedy Lamar, actually was an author on a CDMA patent in the mid 40s. And it was 1979 we had our first cellular phone call. And we didn't really hit smartphone 50% penetration to what, about a dozen years ago now? So if you look at what's going on with shared spectrum and private networks, we're actually moving faster than any other type of network deployment in history. And I think the devices are finally are catching up. And the nice thing is these networks can be completely backward compatible with gateways while they're forward compatible with things joining natively, which I think is, is finally that awareness is building up. So what do you see happening? You know, there's been so much change, and I think we are seeing some critical mass forming here. What do you think is going to happen now in the next 12 to 24 months? You see us hitting the hockey stick by the end of next year. I mean, what are the things would you predict, like, is the top couple of things that we're going to see in the market? That's a great question. I wish I had a crystal ball because, boy, I could monetize that <laughs> pretty well. But I do see further momentum towards private. You're beginning to see lots of proof of concepts moving into production, both from the public mobile network operator space and, and private as well. I mean, I'm seeing some really compelling use cases even beyond manufacturing automation. I spent time with Cisco earlier this year at Port of Rotterdam, and they're helping the port with managing all of the logistics, things in motion. And a lot of that, some of it utilizes Cisco's ultra high performance backhaul, wireless backhaul, 
But there, there's a lot of LT and a lot of 5G there as well. You know, think about a port, you've got ships coming in, you have safety concerns, you have inspection, you have transportation and logistics, you know, with containers offloading and, you know, reloading onto ships. And it, it requires a very resilient, performant network to make all of that happen. So we're seeing it move from proof of concept into full production. Mining, you know, I'll talk about another use case. I mean, what a tremendous opportunity to improve worker safety, automate very dangerous operations that require people going in the mines. And certainly that's where 5G can really shine, because when you start looking at the ultra low latency sub five millisecond and the ability to do tactile control of automating vehicles and robotics and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's a long way to answer your question, but what I really believe is in store in 2024 is really moving from a lot of proof of concept and a lot of testing and kicking the tires to actual deployments. And I'm seeing that on a daily basis. There are announcements here and there you know, that sort of point to that. Not only companies like yourself, but the largest infrastructure, you know, networking infrastructure providers in the world are also driving that opportunity. Yeah, we're starting to see the same thing too, that it takes an education in the beginning because what I remind people is anybody buying a private cellular network is buying it for the first time. And so there's that education curve. But once you get through that initial POC, and it's really not about your stuff working, it's about how they're applying it for the most part. But once they get their head around that, it tends to go, oh, can you do my 10, 20, 50 sites? Let's get the plan together because they see the cost effectiveness, they see the security, and they see the data control, and it makes uh, such a huge difference. And, and by the way, I like your port example because we love those kind of installs because we're the only people in the world who have mesh sailors. So you don't have to trench your, your port that's a 24-7 operation, especially outside the U.S. where they really run, run around the clock. And you don't have to put in uh, big gashes in concrete to put in backhaul to get network coverage everywhere. So we really, really love that. But well, this has been fantastic. Where can our audience find out more about you and about what More Insights is doing? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling that platform these days. You can find my handle at WillTownTech, as in Townsend. I also am pretty prolific on LinkedIn as well. And if you want to learn more about the firm, you can hit us up at moreinsightsandstrategy.com. Great. Well, Will Townsend, thank you very much for joining us today and for your time. And please learn more at More Insights. And we'll see you soon on Monday Meshup.